0: Shapes, and SteroCept Pharmacy. Welcome to PBN on
1: the box. What do you guys do in your Hill day?
2: We try to convince legislators to fix health care. No,
0: just... <laughs> <laughs> we... Really? <How's> that working? <laughs> People do that?
2: <laughs> Not as well. We would hope. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So
2: definitely. we, um, but through the Infusion Access Foundation, we bring our patient champions into DC and kind of run them through the gamut to get them empowered and, and ready to share their story in a hill meeting, right? Uh-huh. It's It's mm-hmm. one thing to be able to articulate your story you know, on the fly, it's another thing to be able to package and tailor and deliver your, your entire story in 90 seconds Mm. and still be as impactful as it was, if you had 15 or 20 minutes is, um, is a challenge. So that's what we're trying to do.
1: That's awesome, Brian. That's so great. And it is a challenge. I know it's funny when you're saying that, because I was just thinking about a hearing I heard this morning in Florida, they're running a PBM bill. And it's one of those things that both lawmakers and people who testify really need to do better at. One woman was so, she wasn't a lawmaker, she was so impactful, but she was going on way too long. And you could just feel it right as her testimony was going. But I've noticed the same thing with the lawmakers. they um, and that's it's like it's an everywhere thing where they could just vote. They could just vote, right? But there some of them have to be like, I'd like to explain my vote. And then they go on some unrelated some tangent. Long tangent. <laughs> yeah. And then they and then at the very end they're like, and that's why I'm voting with the bill, or that's why yeah. I'm voting against the yeah. You know, it's
2: just like And that's why I'm taking no action on this particular bill at all. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sorry. What bill were we talking about again? Oh, I totally
3: lost track. Yeah, it's 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 pretty bizarre.
1: It is the worst. worst. Jeffrey Lewis, you joined us. Welcome.
3: Stepped away from a great cigar to say hello.
1: Jeffrey connects um, philanthropy organizations with pharmacies to help get medications in people's hands.
3: It's a unique situation where we're able to just focus on parts of two different counties because that's how it was established, and uh, then I spent a lot of time uh, writing and uh, helping out around the country on different healthcare issues and pharmacy issues.
0: Jeffrey, what what is the name of your foundations?
3: One is called Legacy Health Endowment, and the other one is the EMC Health Foundation.
2: So do they both subsidize these programs?
3: Um, Yes. Um, So we use, we generally spend anywhere from two and a half to three and a half million a year. We have an endowment of 70 million and growing uh, depending on the day of the market. It was created when a nonprofit hospital was sold to a for-profit that gave it its original 35 million, Got a gift of 20 million from another entity and, been watching the assets growth and then. so it's a traditional private foundation, but limited to the southern part of one county and the northern part of another county.
2: Understood. How long have you been operating?
3: Um, I'm the first president and CEO, so since June first, uh, 2016.
2: Great. That's really so,
3: impressive. So it's I'm very incredible. familiar with infusion centers and infusion and hospitals and 340B and private practice in that space, as well as how hospitals are making significant dollars in the infusion side and physician offices are trying to figure out how to do the same thing without much success. But
2: Accurate. <laughs>
3: so I represent all of the
2: non-hospital infusion centers. <laughs> Good. Not are of them with, specifically, are so in, in the three hundred
3: and forty b space.
2: Yeah, none of which are eligible for the three hundred and forty b discounts,
3: unless they partnered with a FQHC. A
2: hospital, or, yep, okay. exactly. A dish hospital as a child site, yep.
3: Yeah, better off to partner with an FQHC where they're like more likely to be able to share revenue.
2: Agreed. Yes, and I'm trying to basically figure out how to spin up a federally qualified infusion center model.
3: I'm happy to help you. It would be great to take one of your infusion centers in a probably more rural area, make them a, if they're a create create them as a nonprofit and then allow them to apply to HRSA as a FQHC lookalike.
2: Yeah, that's probably the best, the best route.
3: By the way, that was
1: my dog Boxer endorsing the two of you working together he is very excited he loves this idea that's all that
2: tuned for an fqhc lookalike near you
1: so i thought it would be fun to play a game called guess whether jeffrey actually used to work for a pbm or not oh
3: i like this one okay Dan goes
2: first
1: all right how do we play the game you ask you ask him questions and see what he says oh it's like 20 questions fun yeah (laughs)
0: Brian, get first.
2: Okay. Did you work for a PBM? (laughs) Dude,
1: that's cheating.
2: (laughs)
3: Bingo.
1: And Brian wins the prize.
3: prize. It's a a chocolate cigar on its way in the mail. Which
2: PBM did you work for?
3: It was a small regional PBM in Michigan. Tradition. PBM? It was a traditional PBM that uh, allegedly was a non-rebate pbm and then as i spent more time and learned more that that wasn't the case
2: naturally we're not a rebate pbm and then the deeper you look behind the curtains oh that's that's exactly what's happening
3: is i like to tell a story I, I was hired as a chief operating officer and then this, on the day one and second day i didn't get access to the information i needed so so
2: Jeffrey, what's your position on these new PBMs spinning up as rebate
3: aggregators? Well, the aggregators have been in, have been in existence for years. That's how many of these small PBMs who told you that they were either non rebate or you know didn't participate would sell their data and make money. You know, they're all tied to some aggregator one way or the other. You know, Kroger has got a uh, does an aggregation now in the Midwest. You know, there's big ones that and much larger ones that the MaxOrs, the Express Scripts, and others are affiliated with. So it's not a new model. It's just
2: Okay. Uh, so I guess go ahead. This trend of pharmacists that are going from pharmacy to pharmacy benefit management as a rebate aggregator is then somewhat of a newer trend. Or is that also yeah, it's a so you
3: know, new. If they're working for a rebate aggregator as a pharmacist, uh, makes more sense because they'll know how to how to leverage more of the meds.
2: So they they've sold their pharmacy and have allegedly started their own
3: aggregator. Yeah, Yeah, that's rebate aggregator. You know, it's a sorry, guys. Business to get in.
1: That's okay, Jeremy. It's a it's an actual happy hour and uh since it is the cinco de mayo version we're just wondering did you actually bring something with tequila this time
4: no i got some corona extra
1: oh there you go okay after work
4: stopping by to get some tequila did not work out
1: excellent well i we were uh well we didn't actually formally start off introducing our drinks but but i am drinking a paloma uh for those of you out there who don't know what that is i'm sure everybody does though it is a tequila with grapefruit juice. And uh, tonight mine has a little bit of Grand Marnier on top just because for some reason the tequila and the grapefruit juice didn't work as well together as I thought I did. I think I got my ratios off. So so that's what I'm bringing to our Cinco de Mayo PBM on the Rocks trash session. Nice. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Any other tequila drinks or Cinco de Mayo drinks or non-alcoholic drinks? Because remember, you don't have to have alcohol for this.
3: I have a, a water infused pineapple essence hint water.
1: Oh, good, excellent. Pineapple, that's that's a kind of <laughs> Cinco de Mayo. Boxer says yes, okay,
2: a little bit. I got what about a you, Mexican mule, nice, oh, nice tequila, ginger nice, beer, I like it, agave oh, nectar, perfect. What have you got? I've into? got
0: um, sangria,
2: mm, that sounds good. Oh, nice.
1: And of course, a big question: Does everybody know what Cinco de Mayo actually celebrates? Well, since everybody's, everybody's so looking it up now. Okay, Brian, um, are you googling so it? It's that little-known. <laughs> no, it's, it's actually that that very big influential battle between the Mexican and the French in Puebla, Mexico, sometime in the eighteen hundreds. Nice. But you know, we figured, I guess, in our country that would make an excellent day to sell lots of tequila and uh, anything you can make with tequila. So we celebrate Cinco de Mayo. But one thing it's not, it's not Mexican Independence Day. That's actually September 16th. Honestly, there's something about our country that if it is a holiday in a different
0: country, even a religious holiday, we find a way to turn it into a drinking holiday. St. Patrick's Day in Ireland is a religious holiday. But everybody here's like Green Bear, let's go. So you know, I'm not sure. I'm a, every
4: every holiday is a religious holiday in some in some form. And what are we supposed to do? Not drink on holidays? Oh,
1: you're supposed to drink on holidays.
4: <laughs> yes. Otherwise, they wouldn't. I'm be a Tuesday. simple man.
1: I mean, simple thing. Yes, yes, you are, Jeremy. So we were just talking about this trend of PBMs and you know rebate aggregators and Jeremy you always have something to say about that so what do you have to say about the answer
4: to the question it's ridiculous they just they find every way that they can to squeeze every dime out of anyone or at least not let you get credit for the dime that you're spending like rebate aggregators it's ridiculous it's always something and once this all implodes which it will because it's unsustainable um everyone's going to look back and this is going to be this time in history where it's they look back on like rebate aggregators and all these things that we let people do and we're going to look back on it like we look back on a lot of the early like monopolies and and we think why didn't we know better how did we not know this was going on they're going to study especially like rebates in general not just rebate aggregators in Economic classes in the future on how you don't destabilize an entire industry because you give just a little market advantage and they're going to morph it however they can and keep running into it. And now you got, uh, what was it? uh, Joey Maddington, whatever his name is, the Maryland professor. I was uh, going on with him about all of that. I said, well, pretty much what we did was we allowed insurance companies to buy a uh, kickback exemption. And he goes, Jeremy, I was going to disagree with you at first and then i thought about it and you're actually completely right
2: <laughs> like
4: we just keep letting them do all this shit. it's ridiculous
2: so this is really interesting because there's a trend that my members are dealing with right now they're getting hammered by these new to market aggregators right and jeremy right before you joined i was telling jeffrey they're pharmacists that sold their pharmacies and have started these pharmacy benefit managers, these organizations under the guise of a of a PBM, they can help extract rebates that my members have allegedly been leaving on the table. And, and yeah. an example they both use, they well, not both, they all are, are all are using ubiquitously. Is this one massive cancer group in Florida that may or may not have a known history of fraud, Medicare fraud specifically? Um, Don't they all to unlock tens of, <laughs> millions of dollars in rebates that the that this group was leaving on the table, and so they're coming they're coming to the table with this massive carrot dangling in front of all of my members that are all struggling to resist that urge. And I, I can't help but feel like this is a way that PBMs will finally be able to get insight into what's happening on the medical benefit side of the market. They already have that. Yeah, they Not have. To it. The They've had they do it for on the cost benefit side, nowhere near the extent. But it's it, it feels like this is a way that they're going to be able to get paid by pharma to get data from infusion providers that they can get, they can extract more rebates and then they can turn around and sell that aggregated data for additional revenue.
4: I'm not surprised. Every single one of them, they come and they're dangling. It's, it's always what they have on their back and it's constant. Every time they try to give us something, it's always, it always turns around just like express scripts coming out today, acting like they're going to pay rural pharmacies more. And it really, what they're offering is more like, oh all right, go ahead and do more mtms and more clinical things and we're going to give you more opportunities we all know what that is and whenever they dangle something like that you have to remember every time that it's never worked out for us it's never worked out for any of us when has it they just take more and more so we can't trust them and we have to stop doing it because they're they've taken over everything and now they're taking over medical like, that's their goal to get too big to fail to where the government has to work with them. Yeah. I mean, we have to stop it now or we've lost.
1: <laughs> Jeffrey, you don't think it's a Trojan horse? Y- you uh, are, or, you you think you, or so you're thinking very deeply about that right now.
3: <laughs> no, I think Jeremy's right. Uh, you know, I think the, I mean, the PBMs have been in both the, uh, the medical, they've been in the medical side for a number of years. And, you know, the ones that, that, that are not talked about are the ones in the workers' comp side, uh, where, you know, the PBM can really tell if if somebody, if a member is on workers' comp, you know, they can help that employer guard against other drugs being filled that are not worker comp related. They then just, but they're going to get rebates from all those meds. So, you know, the extent that they can grow their footprint on both sides. Uh, there's more dollars. The other thing that's been happening for a long time is why, you know, you see the large PBMs buying uh, insurers, whether it's Aetna or U.S. Healthcare, you know, because, yes, same point, you're making money on every touch point. And then you turn those prescriptions into rebates. Except for the hospital based revenue, and that that's where they'll get them. If they do, they'll get themselves what they dispense in the hospital. But just imagine that patient who leaves the hospital with four or five prescriptions. They just go downstairs in the hospital. They fill it the outpatient pharmacy. Now it qualifies as a 340B drug in a nonprofit hospital if they have a 340B vendor. And depending on what state you're in, depends on how much, whether or not that hospital is playing both ends against the middle. If they're getting rebate dollars on one side and 340B dollars on the other side. And which is why California on the Medicaid side got rid of the 340B program. It's a straight, you know, yeah. high dispen- or not a high dispensing fee, but a, a $14, dollars dispensing fee. So the state can aggregate all those claims and go after those, go after the uh, rebate dollars themselves.
4: I actually had some asshole argue with me on Reddit recently over 340B. It was coming in just like independents can make plenty of money right now. And I went, oh, the fuck they can.
2: Said the 340
4: <laughs> He came in, he was just like, Well, I made this much, and my pharmacy only does this much a day. And I went, Those numbers don't add up. What the fuck are you talking about? And we went back and forth. I was like, You are a liar, sir. Well, it turns out that he owned a 340B pharmacy and didn't disclose that at the beginning. Jesus fucking Christ.
3: <laughs> well, he's going to make a higher, you know, he's going to make a higher dispensing rate, but he's giving up the spread on, on the drugs. Oh,
4: there's no spread on drugs anymore. That was given up a long time ago. (laughs) No,
3: but that's where the other entity takes it for rebate purposes. So, you know, it's the show game. How do we move the dollar around to capture the revenue? But you're right. Yeah, They've even got to the point
4: where they have all of our, like, buying groups and everything we can get back from those. They have it pegged. They have it dead Mm -hmm. on pegged. They know. Like, they know
3: all of our shit. Yeah, Amerisource Bergen and Premier used to did that years ago. And
4: yes, they it, did. Amerisource it, sold out CPA. And it, I hope you hear me, Amerisource. Fuck ya. Yeah. yeah, I hope Jeremy you go elsewhere.
1: Has a way of just really holding back there. I wish you would just be more direct with how you feel, Jeremy. Me? Well,
4: yeah. no, I'm
3: Grace your feelings, Jeremy.
4: Not Jeremy. No. It's gonna be very
1: interesting. i the only person I know who can drop an F bomb two times in a sentence, but then still refer to the other party as sir.
3: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. That is. I know it's a
1: talent. It is such yeah. a talent. I mean,
3: I have to run off to a off to a dinner, but I wanted to say at least hello and join the uh, podcast. Look forward to <laughs> look forward to longer conversations with all of you.
0: Thank yes. you so Thank much you for so dropping into okay. the cocktail hour.
3: Thank you so much for including me. Take care. Thank you, Jeffrey. Right, thank you you. Have a good one, man.
1: So, so Brian, you were talking Jeremy, about you scared the- him.
3: Yeah. Way
2: to, way to kick the former PBM guy out of the, <laughs> Jesus. it was, it was going I mean, so he well. I you should
4: know what he's coming into. I, I felt like I was being very tame today. <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh. No, he's, a, he's a very good sport. I may or may not have warned him about what this podcast was actually like. <laughs> so you may not have. There's so much to be angry about though. You're not angry, you're not paying attention. My god. Exactly. Gosh.
2: If you're not upset, you're you're doing something wrong.
4: Now <laughs> what were we saying, brah? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, the Mexican mule is have getting. Some more, too have higher. some more Mexican it mule, me right?
2: <laughs> I feel like I have the attention span of a goldfish right now. <laughs> mm. <Yeah. laughs> we're well, about rebate oh, aggregators, I and I was I was excited to unpack that a little bit more with with old Jeffrey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no,
3: this will repeat. Brian, did
0: you say? I just want to clarify something you said when you were talking about rebate aggregators. You made the comment that pharmacists, independent pharmacists, are selling their pharmacies and going into this, and basically going over to the dark side. Yeah, I say more about that. What, Brian. It, was that what not what it to sounded
2: PBMs, like? Probably? That's the that is the context that was painted for me. Yes, is there were pharmacists that were tired of getting hosed by PBMs, so they sold their pharmacy, they started a PBM. So it started out with this one this one woman had this crazy concept and she did it and she made all of the money sold that PBM to a larger national ma- major name PBM. And now other we'll pharmacists with
1: three letters, would it
2: I, I can not
1: three letter. Oh, you
2: can neither confirm nor deny. It. I can neither confirm nor deny. Um, now other pharmacists have sold their pharmacies and have joined forces with her to start this new, this new shop that I don't necessarily want to call out by name, but they have gotten very aggressive at approaching my members with this massive carrot. And it just, it feels, it feels like this is the next evolution of tactic to get what they've always been trying to get, which is total insight and control over the medical benefit they want to know where all of the rebate dollars are coming from, where they're going, who's using them, for what drugs, so they can really maximize value extraction out of the delivery channel. feels like a way they're getting paid by pharma because they're they're keeping 30% of whatever rebates they're able to unlock, by the way. I left that little factoid out. So whatever dollars we're, we 30%. are able to unlock for you, like you keep 70%, we get a cool 30, no big deal. Especially when we're talking about tens of millions of dollars. No big deal. You just give us all of your data, but don't worry, we'll de-identify it, we'll aggregate it with everybody else's data so it's safe. No. We're not gonna mm-hmm. tell you to No, it those contracts aren't gonna have any sort of data use parameters or guardrails. But trust us, because we used to be pharmacists. We're yeah, trying with the good guys, we're trying to help you guys just extract dollars. We're just called a PBM because that's what we had to call ourselves. Wow. That's still, I
0: mean, I'm sorry. There's, there's, It sounds almost nefarious.
4: Yeah. Most people who sell, they sell and they get the fuck out. If you're waiting around, no, there's something else going on. That or they're just
2: floating. You just found some more juice to squeeze. Yeah. I think
1: the data is so valuable. It sounds a lot like you know, the Express Scripts, GoodRx partnership, because that's Gosh. all that is. It's just data. You know, it's it's so easy to get so pissed off about that because, you know, GoodRx has the, the, the money to go advertise themselves. Like there's some kind of good guy with the heart-wrenching, you know, commercials, but really what it's about is it's about data and it's aggregated, but that doesn't matter. Data is important. So I, I don't know. I, I kind of think you might be on to something, Brian. I think that, um, they, they want to infiltrate. Why well, were you around when Julie Hoffman was talking about the laboratory benefit managers? She was, she talked about that, that at, it. so for people listening, Julie Hoffman is a, is a really amazing patient advocate here in the state of Arizona for people with diabetes. And she showed up at a stakeholder meeting at one point and was talking about that the new PBM will be the, the LBM, the laboratory benefit manager, which is just one of those things that nobody knew we needed. I still don't think we need that. But why
0: I
4: don't think we need the there, pharmacy right? benefit
1: manager, but no. that's just me. I
2: don't think so, we need health
4: insurance. And <laughs> another
2: concerning trend I'm seeing is the pharmacy benefit manager equivalent for employer plans, an employer benefit manager.
0: Isn't that just a reiteration of the same blooming thing.
2: Yeah, it's it's wow. just another term for a third party administrator. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Wow. Okay. So one more one more middleman in the middle of the middleman, right? Because because isn't if we put manager, all of the these acronyms...
0: they
2: got to join forces.
1: <laughs> no,
0: I'm sorry. This is starting to sound like Sesame Street. We've got the LBM, we've got the EBM, we've got the PBM, we've got the PBC. Oh. Is I mean, this podcast was brought to you by the letter B for bullshit. (laughs) I mean, it's just like, oh, my God. How many acronyms of these fools are they going to come up with?
4: I mean, it's really just a health economist circle jerk at this point. Like, they just – they love their market (laughs) mechanisms, and they love made-up numbers. For
1: the younger listeners, we will not – just will not define that last term that, oh uh, jeff that came jeremy back on used. he
4: just left immediately again i'm sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> he walked in the room he walked out nice going jeremy that's funny because that wow. i was thinking this would be like as if your star like your star jedi you know decided like you know what screw this being on the good side of the force i want to be rich i want to have power i want to send stormtroopers to their death i'm going to the dark side I'm fascinated that pharmacists would would sell out and go to that side, but I can also, if you just look at like our like who who are we in this world? Most countries like ours are a capitalist type of economy. So maybe you did not go into pharmacy because you really wanted to take that vow of poverty. Maybe you actually wanted, you know, to make some money. So what do you do? You just do the easy thing and <laughs> did you sell you just out say that like, pharmacy. Who doesn't takes want to be a the vow mayor? of poverty?
4: They do now. <laughs> they do now. You're gonna own yeah. a pharmacy. You're taking a valve at yeah. least for a little while until you get it off the ground. I so, yeah, think nothing.
2: Let's give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Let's let's assume you know there there were some pharmacists that did see legitimate opportunity here that was that was untapped. They saw juice that had never been squeezed. Right? If we can all okay. if we can all buy into that, <laughs> let's just buy into that. Okay. So let's assume that that is the case. My concern now becomes, since in 2019 Senate Finance Committee hearings, we had major pharma executives attest firsthand that rebates in the extraction of rebate dollar value is actively driving up drug prices. The concern now becomes, if there's going to be a mad rush to tap into these historically untapped rebate dollars, What are the implications to list price? And consequently, what are the implications to patient out-of-pocket costs for these medications? Because in my world, we're not talking about five, 10, even a hundred dollars. We're talking about thousands of dollars per treatment and patient cost share being potentially 20 plus percent of thousands or sometimes tens of thousands of dollars per treatment.
1: Yes, and that is why I firmly believe rebates have to end
4: They have because to i
1: end. don't think they benefit anybody
2: we will agree i mean they benefit the people that it's benefiting
1: well you're okay, right. Well, no, right, right i
0: mean right. you know they, they make the shareholders of the major corporations awfully happy because the bottom line yep. gets
1: jacked
2: yep.
1: so
0: but I mean, you, could, that-
2: you could be in the top 10 of fortune 500 companies without rebate dollars period
1: no i don't think you could be i don't Mm-mm. And and it's crazy because it really it only benefits the insurers. It does, and it, with and this is the part that always makes makes my head want to explode, is where they do write those checks back to the self insured plans. Those CFOs and I know because I listened to one speak publicly about this. They think they are getting so much money. You know, they, uh, the one guy, I think he, um, I want to say his name is David Mitchell and he had patients for affordable drugs. I think it was him. It's he David is Mitchell.
4: He's actually come around it, a little bit more. I'm no longer yeah,
1: he, blocked. He, uh, yeah,
4: <laughs> uh, I was listening
1: to him talk about being a CFO and managing a self-funded plan and how when he first was approached with the idea of getting rebates, he was like, he thought it would be like a few hundred dollars here and there because they had so many employees. And then he was getting these checks that were five figure that 30,000, $50,000. And there, it's unrestricted money. It comes back and it looks so good. Right. But I have always asked the question as compared to what, right? So if you're getting $30,000, yeah. that's great. But as compared to what The $100,000, you probably should be getting
2: sucked out of the system. Yeah.
1: To your point, the impact on the patient is so bad because we, as the patients, we're the ones that are left with the list price. The list price is the price. That's what's left over. after. Uh, Lauren's joining us, everybody. But then here we are, and we are the ones who are getting our, our deductibles, you know, are based on what we pay at the pharmacy counter, which is based on list price. It's, it's frustrating, you know, and I think patients really, really, really get harmed by that. But now I'm going to step off my soapbox. Say hi to Lauren, everybody. Hey, Lauren. Lauren. How are you? How did it go with your Pioneer software update?
5: What a perfect, perfect evening for a happy hour. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> Wait, did you switch so over to you a drink?
5: <laughs> We had a central server um hard drive swap out the other day with Pioneer uh, and something got go well. um, something got forgotten and we found out about We fixed it. <laughs> and how many hours did that fix take? Um well, it is still daylight here so that's positive. wow
3: so did you get it
2: resolved
5: hallelujah we sure did
2: great that's
5: right i started off the conversation
1: talking about all the technology breakdowns this week so sorry that that happened lauren but i think it's going around too yeah it's
4: okay esi is going to reimburse you for that now they promise (laughs) that you have to stay
2: up
5: as long as i am not affiliated with anything else that could possibly help me save money, right? That's the rule.
2: <laughs> yeah. As long as you're not making profits, you're in a good position. Otherwise- oh, and
5: if
0: there's a pharmacy within 10 miles, then you're not eligible.
4: I know 10 miles. Have they been to a rural area, especially in the mountains? You know how far 10 miles is between pharmacies, especially in the hills where if you go by like a geographic map and you go 10 miles out, you've hit three towns but guess what the driving is like between all of that now it's just more of their bullshit. Yeah.
1: So, uh, so for people listening, if you didn't see this, uh, today was the day when express scripts put out some release announcing that they were going to have better reimbursement rates for independent pharmacies in rural areas. If they had an express scripts patient that was 10 miles or more away from a pharmacy. Is that right? Is that, did I get that right?
4: It was 10, if there wasn't a pharmacy within 10 miles. And the thing is, is the way the topography is, you're going to have a lot of pharmacies within 10 miles of one another, but there's going to be a lot of patients in between. Now it's going to help a lot of pharmacy deserts where like you're in the Midwest and there's a bunch of going. But the thing is, is when it comes down to networks and they're claiming, Oh, you know, we got this in network. We got that in network. Whenever you have a 10 mile space out in like a mountainous area, they're going to claim, oh well, you got ten pharmacies, or you've got two pharmacies within ten miles of each other. We don't have to give them this better contract, or we may have to shift them over to the mail order contract, which would will be their big thing. It's, they'll push mail order because there's multiple pharmacies within that area, therefore they cannot define that as a rural pharmacy. And I can tell you that my family's pharmacy in Hayside, Virginia, in Dickson County, the last county in the United States to ever have a stoplight is very rural.
0: I'm sorry. So just wanna... It's just more of <laughs> their bullshit.
1: Quick fact check, check. The last county in the U.S. to have a stoplight. We
4: were a Jeopardy question.
1: <laughs> oh, wow.
4: We were the only county wow. in the United States to not have a stoplight. Now we do in wow. Claywood.
1: Congratulations. Yeah, do
0: you really like that stoplight? Is
4: they made progress. <laughs> That's where I'm from, folks.
0: Well, no, one of the things about that announcement that really struck me, and I actually pulled this up because I wanted to make sure I had it properly. Modern healthcare quoted the president of Express Scripts as saying, physicians don't practice in these locations. And this is why they're doing it because they care so <laughs> much.
3: There one in five
0: Americans live in rural areas, yet less than 10% of physicians practice in those mm-hmm. locations. So that's why... Um, it creates critical access gaps and independent pharmacists can close those gaps. Good. Well, you know what? Yes, they can. But if you run them out of business, no, they can't.
4: They're it's trying just... to push more of the uh make us do more work for less pay at that point, And to try to squeeze out were... a lot of the other people in network, like our mid-level and our physician providers, they're trying to squeeze them out. It's, it's all a part of their fucking game. That's Brandon, all it is.
1: I have a question for you. So with the infusion centers, those are, you know, I, I think not as common as pharmacies. So your the patients that would go to an infusion center, uh, or maybe I think you and you represent non hospital infusion centers, right?
2: Correct, non hospital, non oncology. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I just as we're talking about pharmacy deserts, I, I've got to imagine that this is a real issue for the patients that go to your centers for their treatments. Right. Like they, they 10 miles minimum probably is something some of these folks would be driving.
2: Yeah, easily. Even in some major metropolitan markets, patients are driving 10 miles to get to an infusion center. I mean, they're they're yeah. densely populated in major metropolitan markets, but they're generally located in affluent communities with well insured patients just because reimbursement rates are so abysmal. And that's the only way they can make the economics work. Um, I mean, most infusion centers across the country cannot support a full Medicaid patient. Many cannot support dual eligible patients anymore just because of reimbursements. So yeah, transportation barriers are absolutely a problem. And the more rural you are, the the more exacerbated those transportation barriers get.
1: Yeah, see, that's something I really wish that we could get across to policymakers when they're looking at, you know, pharmacy benefit managers and all of the things that go on here. Because I, I think when I think of all the different modalities for pharmacy and I think about the infusion centers, that 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 is the one that really breaks my heart because I know that, you know, so many of these patients are probably, as you said, they're these are located in affluent areas, but so many of these patients are not affluent. These patients are, you know, after talking with you, one of the things that I learned was I was always like, why can't patients just show up at the Capitol? Right. And you and I got to talking about how much energy it takes to just be able to even get out the door, let alone go to an intimidating you know, place like a, a state Capitol to testify. That got me to thinking more and more about like, what are, what are the needs of these patients and, and how hard it must be when they get screwed around by PBMs with white bagging, brown bagging. And then you have these pharmacies who are these infusion centers, I should say, who are you know, really trying to provide this care. And then they are getting these massive hindrances to even to be able to help these patients. It's like, it's such a lose, lose, lose for a group of people for whom they didn't ask for this. It's not their fault. you know? Oh,
2: absolutely. They just want to do the right thing for the people that are getting hosed by the system, right? People with the, the craziest, most intense burdens of disease that just want their life back. They just want to be able to button their shirt by themselves in the morning, right? Get get dressed and live their life without somebody helping them every step of the way. Play with their kids, right? Go to their spouse's Christmas party. Things a lot that most of us really take for granted.
1: No, it's it's I I'm so glad that you that you say that. And then earlier when you were talking about the rebates and and how much money gets made from there, it's really shocking for you know, for anyone who's listening to this, to, to our discussion tonight it's really shocking when you start to look at the, the, the cost of some treatments and they are more expensive and there's reasons for that, but then there's this percentage based kickback that these middlemen who do nothing except get in the way get for what the privilege of administering a benefit, you know, it's, it's really, I don't know. It's crazy making to me, I should say.
4: Oh, I was going to ask y'all, what did y'all think about, uh, Ron Wyden and everyone's like framework that they came out with, like
2: Are you it sure was on good. The it Senate was... Finance Committee talking about the legislation yes. they want to introduce. Yeah, well, I was actually just about to bring that up, Jeremy.
4: Oh well, you know, doc- t- We had a lot of things happen this week, and uh, we've also been having a good time. But I am trying to bring some things up.
5: <laughs> Gold star, Jeremy. Gold star. Way to go!
4: No, but uh, that like it seemed good. Uh, it's it's gonna be multiple multiple bills to get any of it done but also one issue I'm having is they dance around so much about it like we get mentioned a little bit but it's like they're dancing around reimbursement like no one wants to come out and just straight up say we're not getting paid enough on our end and no one wants to do it because it I guess the lawmakers think uh, that sounds bad but We really do like reimbursement is one of the biggest problems and that's not truly addressed like directly in it. And yes, I want my patients to pay nothing, especially with these giant conglomerates making a fortune. What was it? 29 billion last quarter of the healthcare conglomerates, the top six altogether, 29 billion in profits. And we're getting paid next to shit. Patients are going without care and They're making 29 billion a quarter. Like, yeah, we the have to address all this top to bottom.
2: I, I would say the system is definitely unbalanced. I'm I'm super excited to see the Senate finance committee pick back up on where they were in 2019. I know they had several more committee hearings planned, but then COVID hit. So I'm I'm excited to see Wyden pick this back up. And I think this is probably the best chance we're going to have at getting any reasonable and meaningful momentum yes. at the federal level.
4: This is our peak right now. We have the most momentum ever. That's why we need everyone out in force. Because Agreed. we're not going to get this again. It's too complex. People aren't going to get it. They're not going to get behind it. We're not going to have this again. We abs- absolutely need to have everyone pushing full force right now.
2: Yeah, with their ProPublica article and the Washington Post article that came out over the last several weeks. I mean, it's the the environment is as ripe as it's ever been or ever will be probably.
4: How long did it take us just to like get people to quit focusing on the manufacturers to focus on PBMs? How long did it take us? Like just a few years ago, we were just like, what do we what do we have to do? And -hmm. then now it's just like things clicked. It's not going to stay clicked forever. You know how it is. You pass some legislation. People are like, well, we already did this. So, you know, on to the next thing. And what was it just a few years ago where we we talked to uh, the advisor that was talking about like you all are never going to get things done unless you have people mad. Mm -hmm. And unless they're giving like fire to the actual lawmakers. We got that done. We can't waste it. And that's why we can't half ass it.
5: So, Brian, that brings up a good question, since you are not a pharmacist, how can we, as PUT members and people listening, get other providers that deal with patients to start getting louder? Like I know their frustration is every bit as high as a lot of the owners that we deal with, but what is the tipping point that you see for-
2: I mean, most of my members, especially the newer ones that have come to the market, don't know what independent pharmacists have gone through with PBMs. They they haven't been in the market when you guys went through these battles and lost mm-hmm. terribly.
4: Oh, we lost. They,
2: they just don't know what they don't know. So I mean that's one thing is is staying diligent. And keeping your voices front and center is absolutely critical because we cannot, the healthcare system cannot afford a repeat of what's happened to independent pharmacy, period. Yeah. It's not going to help That's us what happened to you guys and what you guys have gone through, but at the very least you guys could help us hopefully, maybe possibly contain the fallout of what's still to come.
4: People still see us as, like, some, like, I don't know, like, fighting off a horde of invaders. In reality, we're the resistance group at this point. We're more like the New Republic in Star Wars. Not even the New Republic, the Rebellion. Like, we fell. We lost. And there's just only so many of us left. And now we're just trying to take it back. And we don't want the rest of y'all to go through what we went through. Mm-hmm. And we warned physicians, we warned everyone for so long, and now they're coming knocking on everyone's door, and yeah. now everyone's suddenly concerned. We did say this was going to happen.
5: Oh yeah, those Optum payday loans that are coming. Optum out payday
4: loans.
5: Oh my gosh! If providers, that they'll take opt-in. out of
4: your reimbursement later.
5: Yes. Maybe that's going to be the catalyst that gets more providers, you know, to stand with us.
2: If it's not rebate aggregators that totally blow up in their face, it probably will be. But I think now is is the time because one of the things we've been talking about, Lauren, is how there's this massive can candle carrot, not candle. it's a carrot edible vegetable, not <laughs> edible <laughs> device for. Know, are our um, candles not
1: edible? I've often wondered.
2: I, I suppose they could be. Um, not advisable maybe. But and there's um, also enough
4: physicians <laughs> that aren't bought out by United Health yet mm-hmm. because their takeovers gonna be complete soon. We have we have to push down, otherwise they own everything.
2: Oh yeah. From so payer all I mean, the way down to beneficiary.
4: Yep.
1: Brian, I know you have to get going soon. Uh I think what would be amazing for our happy hour is on the topic of the you know, the pharmacies that kind of are looking at how they can at least get something by going over to the dark side and participating in these rebate aggregators. What, what would you say is the, the antidote to that? Like what, what from your view needs to happen?
2: I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but if there's any prospect of, of raking in unfathomable dollars, it's going to be an uphill battle. That's what I know.
4: I tell you what it is, public shaming. Full on, every single one of us. And we need to do this with all the docs that work for insurance companies, especially for prior authorizations. We need to do this for every fucking pharmacist that sells out. We need to do this for everyone that works for them. Top to bottom, we have to shame them for actually existing in that space. And we have to quit being nice about it, being like, oh, well, you're in that. Well, I don't agree what you do. No, fuck them. Or, hear me out.
1: What Together. we can do is we Live. could yeah. <laughs> make sure pharmacies are adequately reimbursed for the services they provide so that they're <laughs> yeah. not tempted to go over to the rebate aggregator. You know what's say. the funny thing
4: about it? <laughs> you know what's the funny thing about it? PBMs and all of them right now, they would not be facing any of this scrutiny if they wouldn't have fucked us over so much because no one would know about it. You know, there'd be people like us out here being like, no, no, patients are getting fucked. Like, everyone's getting fucked. There'd be people like us because we're us. But most of the rest of them would be kind of quiet about it because they were making money. They didn't even bother to pay people off because they thought we were so minuscule. And then all those people are saying, no, 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 fuck this guy. He's ruined our entire livelihood. They're doing all this.
1: It just goes to show you cannot mess with independent pharmacies.
2: Especially when they come together. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly.
4: They all come
0: <laughs> well, together. And since, since this is Think of Mind episode, I did a little homework. Um, apparently, the French troops were shot back by, and or it says repulsed in Britannica, um, by a much smaller Mexican force. A smaller force actually won the battle. So mm-hmm. that's what we are. Yeah. we're the smaller. I ours. love the
4: French, and I love what they do because they will not have their civil rights taken away, and you will give them what they want. They keep their politicians in check, but they are not the most intimidating whenever it comes to war.
1: No, <laughs> no, no they are not. And I no, think on but that, but they're general now,
4: people. that's off to you, Lauren. You know what what do, do, do you
1: think? as <laughs> Lauren, have our last thought for the podcast tonight, and then we shall we shall uh, clink glasses and say goodnight.
5: I am all for the smaller coalition of independent pharmacy owners and friends of, in our group, allies, really just kicking the PBMs' asses. I think we do just bring back the guillotine, Jeremy. I think that's what we do. French. I would love to bring back the guillotine.
4: (laughs) The French people are awesome. The French military is not very intimidating.
5: (laughs) Hashtag
0: guillotine.
2: United for truth and transparency. Cheers.
0: Cheers to that.
2: Cheers to them.
4: The gate, Hanes.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I was mobbed by dogs. Oh, there they go barking again. All the dogs weigh in and they say, cheers. All well, right,
2: Thank you all thank for, for having me again. This is always a fun pleasure.
5: Brian, I followed you on social media after your first appearance on our um, podcast. And I fully intend to uh, throw out all of my wonderful ideas on social media for how we can continue to support infusion centers and get your patients and your providers on board with our mission.
2: Absolutely. Awesome.
1: All right, everybody. Well, thanks for coming together tonight and for celebrating Cinco de Mayo. I know we will get together again next month. Brian, I hope you can join us. It's always great to have you. So you're welcome anytime.
2: Perfect. Love that.
1: All right, everybody. Well, we shall say good night.
2: Cheers, everyone.
1: To learn more about
0: Pharmacist United for Truth and Transparency and how you can help fight PBM abuse of our healthcare system, visit our website at truth.x.